get into the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, you guys can turn there. And uh, we're looking at a message entitled, Faith Enables Obedience. And uh, so far in our By Faith series on these Wednesday nights, we've learned the connection between faith and hope, as well as what we looked at last week, which, which was a little bit lofty uh, in its presentation. Uh, the truth that faith also brings an understanding of the universe that we live in. And so today, we actually are going to enter that hall of faith that we began talking about. And as we enter this hall of faith, and as we look to side to side, uh, we see some of the first humans uh, to live on the earth. Uh, The first person that we would look up, maybe to the right and look at, we would see Cain and Abel offering sacrifices to the Lord. And then if we go a little bit farther down the hall of faith, we would then see a mysterious man named Enoch. And then maybe going a little bit further, we would see a man named Noah building a boat in the middle of a desert. Each of these early men of the Bible that I just talked about, they walked by faith. They trusted God. And those are the next people that are in line uh, within this 11th chapter of Hebrews. If you look in your Bibles, uh, you'll find that in verse 4, 5, 6, and 7, uh, we find these, these three guys. And um, we find kind of uh, that they lived by faith and it enabled them to live in a certain way. And uh, what we learned from Abel is that uh, it is by faith that we worship God. That's the next verse in our chapter reading. Uh, and Enoch, we learned that by faith, that's how we please God. And then in verse 7, regarding Noah, we learn that it's by faith that we prepare or we uh, live a life uh, of preparing for the next life. And so just a few months ago, if you were with us on Wednesdays, raise your hand if you regularly attend Wednesdays. Like for the most part, oh, that's a lot of you. Okay, so it's a pretty good core there. Then you'll remember us going through these very characters in our Genesis study. Uh, Just as we went through the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we saw these guys. Uh, We saw when uh, there was a Wednesday night that Tate taught about Cain and Abel. Do you guys remember that Wednesday night? I was absent and he he filled in in that way. Then in the following weeks, we talked about that kind of mysterious guy that walked with God. And then God was so ready for him to come home to heaven. So the Bible says he took him. Uh, Enoch was all of a sudden he was, and then he was not. God was ready for him to come home because he lived such a life of faith. And then we also spend a good amount of time on Noah, of course. That was a big character uh, within those first 11 chapters. And so in kind of preparation and study for tonight, as I was praying through and preparing, uh, rather than repeat these characters, and it would be worthy of, of further study. There's more to learn for sure. But given that we just looked at these three characters in the fall, we're going to be moving on to Abraham tonight, which is cool because we're going to pick it up right where we actually left off a couple months ago uh, in our Genesis series. We're going to be looking at, uh, for a small time, Genesis chapter 12. And so uh, maybe you're like, oh, I missed those. Like, I wasn't there when we learned about Abel or Enoch or, or Noah. Well, good news is that all of those teachings are recorded and on our junior high Spotify. So you can go and listen to those, and, and hopefully those can kind of help fill in 
uh, yeah, we have a junior high Spotify. You can go and listen to past messages Wednesdays and Sundays. Uh, and so, yeah, we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, and you can also read through that. But for tonight, we're going to turn our attention on Abraham. Of course, Father Abraham. You guys ready to sing the song tonight? Father Abraham. No, I'm just kidding. We're not, we're not going to. It's a good one, though, for sure. Um, but tonight, we're going to go ahead and read about Abel, Enoch, and Noah just for the sake of context. So we'll still read through those verses, but we're going to go all the way uh, to verse 8, 9, and 10. Did you guys get, get that previously? You guys got that? Raise your hand if, no one, if you're still writing this one down. Okay, you guys are good. So we are now going to move on to Abraham, but we'll read that in its context. And so uh, if you guys, you guys should be open up to the 11th chapter, I'll start in verse 4, just for context sake. Uh, it's a little bit of a bigger chunk since we're including uh, those uh, that we talked about. And we'll go all the way down to verse 10, okay? Yes? You guys ready? Ready or not, here we go. Verse 4. Bible's out? Okay. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Verse eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as, a foreign, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this Wednesday night that we get to gather around as the people of God and worship uh, the one and only true living God. We thank you that it is by faith that we can have just such confidence, assurance, that the one who we're even praying to now is not only real, but he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so God, we choose to diligently seek you tonight by faith. And God, we ask through the story of Abraham, and there's much to cover on him, God, that you would speak to us, that his example, Lord, would translate into learning for our life. And so, God, we pray that you would be the teacher today. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Well, within this chapter, we're going to find out over the next three weeks together that the author points out three different phases in the life of Abraham we find in the Bible that Abraham's life ranges from Genesis chapter 11, verse 26, that's where he's first mentioned as the man Abram, 
all the way to Genesis chapter 25, verse 10. And we just read today the first phase of Abraham's life. And this first phase is when he obeys God and leaves his homeland. The second phase next week will be more focused on him and Sarah together. And that is when God promises them a son in their old age. The third phase, three weeks from now, or uh, uh, I guess, yeah, three, three weeks from now, the third phase will be Abraham when he was tested to kill his own promised son. Now, of course, hopefully you know how the story ends. If not, then you're in for a treat. Don't worry, spoiler alert, he doesn't kill his son, okay? So in the Bible, we have that, Genesis 11 to chapter 25. And uh, just as a reminder, uh, in our Genesis series, we went through about 2,000 years of world history, starting from the beginning. Uh, When Genesis 12 opens up all the way to the end of the book of Genesis, it's only about 350 years. And a big portion of that is uh, decades of Abraham's life, decades of his life that we're about to dive headfirst into. Have you guys ever seen the show, The Amazing Race? Raise your hand. It's not a show that's on too much anymore. It had its heyday uh, years ago. But basically, The Amazing Race was this show where two teams, sorry, 10 teams of two uh, are set out on these elaborate worldwide races. And basically, the show gives them the first step. They give them a clue. And they then have to like go around literally the world and find the next clue and then find the next clue. And, uh, and it's amazing. They know where to start, but when they start, they have no idea where they're going to end. They receive the next step one by one. When they get to the next destination, they are given the next destination and so on and so forth, step by step. The Bible compares that our life is like a race. And it's one that we need endurance in. And this is so often how God leads us. You need to know something right now about the Christian life. The way that God will lead you and guide you, and he will if you search for him, he will give you oftentimes one step at a time. We simply then have to trust him, not knowing all the details and sometimes not knowing the final destination, but we obey step by step the directions he gives us. Now that's hard because the way that you and I work, we often want to know the whole plan from the beginning. We say, God, why don't you just give me the the following uh, three or four steps? Why don't you show me a a little bit further down the road? But then we'd be walking by sight, sight, sight and not by faith. But the Bible says, We, of course, are to walk by faith. We're going to find out today that faith is what enables you and I to obey God, which means that when we disobey God, it's a faith issue. It shows that we don't trust God's direction in our lives. And so let's bookmark our spot in Hebrews chapter 10, and let's turn to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. And I want to show you Abraham's beginning. And the reason being is because this is the, what is being referred to in the text that we just read in Hebrews 11. So I want to hear some pages 
uh, turning, bookmark yourself in Hebrews 11. We'll be back there. We're just going to make a quick reference to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12. This is, uh, in a sense, Abraham's origin story. Okay, this is his background. This is his beginning. Genesis 12. We're just going to look at the first four verses and then look at back then at Hebrews 11 because we're going to have the appropriate context, okay? When you're there, say word. word. Verse 1, Genesis 12. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Meaning he didn't show him yet. Verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Now, before we go back to chapter 11 of Hebrews, I want to point your attention that his name at this point is Abram. It's not yet Abraham. It is the Lord who will eventually give him the new name of Abraham. And does anyone know what the name Abraham means in Hebrew? Yeah. Very good. Father of many. Father of many. And this was something that, that God would change his name to even prior to him having the promised son Isaac. But this is the beginning. And here we find God's call to Abraham. We don't know the details, but in some way God appears to Abraham, which seems to be out of the blue. And he says, Abraham or Abram, get out of your country and get away from your family. This is not talking about his wife, but his relatives. And we'll look at why in a moment. He says, I want you to leave to a land that I will show you. Imagine a God appearing to you in a way and speaking to you saying, I want you to leave home. Now that, look, that would look different for you as a 12, 13, or 14 year old. But God's promise is attached to his direction. Okay, so don't miss that. In Genesis 12, he gives him the direction. He says, leave, go, and I will show you the way. But then additional to that, he says, I want to make, he gives him the reason why, a promise. He says, I want to make you a great nation. I want to bless you and I will protect you. And so we're going to find today that faith is what enabled Abraham to obey God. You can begin turning back to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Abraham trusted that what God told him was true, that he would become a great nation that he would have God's blessing upon his life if, if he went where God told him to go. You see, the condition for the experience of God's blessing and, obe and a blessing in his life was obedience. And the same is true for our life. Listen, God wants to bless you. God does. He wants to protect you. He wants to use you. He wants you to be satisfied, content, and all the above. He's a good father, but there's a condition. And it is if you will go and do what he tells you to do. Blessing is always the result of obedience. And so we're going to look at three ways today. And the three ways will be the ways that Abraham obeyed God. Okay, because remember, our title is faith enables obedience, meaning that 
Faith precedes obedience. It goes before it. Because when you trust God, and listen, when you trust him that he has your best interest, then you're going to say, yes, Lord. When he says go, you're going to be like, well, God knows best, so I'm going to go. When God says stop, you're going to know God has my best interest, and so I'm going to stop. Faith enables obedience. And these are the three ways that Abraham obeyed. Number one, Abraham went. Abraham went. Look at verse 8. We read it a moment ago in our opening, but I'm going to read it to you again. Verse 8 of Hebrews 11 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Isn't that funny? Isn't that phrase? He went out not knowing where he was going. How, how did he know what direction? I don't know. It seems like God gave him a general direction. He said, go. And it would be step by step that he would lead them. But the first step was for him to leave. It didn't matter what direction. God said, go. And if Abraham stepped, then he would get the second direction. It's kind of like a GPS. Your parents, do they use uh, Apple Maps or Google Maps or something like that on their phone? Any, anyone have parents that love the voice and they, and they press go and they want the voice to listen to them? I hate the voice. I always turn it off. Uh, I want to be able to look at it. But sometimes there's that voice, right? And you will not get, when you press go, you will not get the following steps until you complete the instruction that's in front of you. Until your mom turns left at the 300 feet that it's telling her to go, she ain't going to get the next step. Now, if a GPS can reroute you, so can God. So even when you make the wrong step, you know, sometimes Christians are so worried. I just, I just want to go in the direction that God wants me to. Now there's a good heart, but God doesn't want us to live that way. God wants us to go. And if we make the wrong step, then he says, oh, let's, uh, let's take the next left turn and get you back on track. And so Abraham, we're told that he went the author of Hebrews is referring to the exact event in Genesis 12. And you might think, well, what's the big deal? People move all the time. People move to different states and even different countries. But you see, what God was asking Abraham to do was not just to move, but to leave. To leave everything he had ever known and leave without knowing the final destination. Imagine having a friend that told you that they were going to be moving and you asked them where and they said, I don't know. It would, be, it would be crazy. No one moves without knowing where they're going unless you're like a single person with no family and you can just do what you want. But you see, Abraham had a family. He had a wife and many servants under him. This was a big deal. So why does God want Abraham to leave though? Isn't God about family? And why would he want him to leave his relatives? Why would he want him to specifically leave? He said, leave your father's house. Why his father's house? Well, Joshua 24 gives us a little insight later on, way later. Joshua, uh, speaking on behalf of God. So we're going to find one of those, thus, say, uh, thus says the Lord. He says this, Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor dwelt on the other side of the river in old times. This is talking about Abraham's homeland, his hometown. And they served other 
gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. We know that God called Abraham out of a place called Ur. You are, everyone say Ur. It's kind of a, imagine you're like, oh, where are you from? Ur, what? Ur, you are. Uh, that's where Abraham was from. And it was known as Ur of the Chaldeans or the Chaldees. The Chaldeans was uh, um, a people group who served pagan gods. And Abraham's father, Terah, would have served these gods also. We know this because he was named after the moon god that was specifically worshipped in Ur. Terah was named after that god, which was Abraham's dad. Terah no doubt participated in pagan worship. And so more than likely, Abraham, before Genesis 12, also would have worshipped other false gods. This was his culture. This was his family. And in some way, in Genesis 12, God shows up on this scene. It doesn't give us specifics. It doesn't say that God showed up in person or in a dream. But in some way, God spoke very clearly to Abraham, or would have been Abram. And he tells him the plan that he has for his life. He doesn't give him all the details, but he gives him enough. He says, I want to make you a great nation. He says, I want to bless you. I want to protect you. But there's a condition. You got to get out. You got to leave. You see, God didn't see Abraham just for who he was at the moment, but who he was going to be. And so all Abraham at this point had to go on. Listen, everyone look at me. All Abraham had was a single direction, and that was just to leave, and a single promise, and that's that God would bless him. And that was enough for him to completely uproot his life and everything he was used to and go to an undisclosed location. He went out not knowing where he was going. He had good reason to trust God, Remember, faith is not to trust something that's unreasonable. Abraham had reason, and we don't know exactly what that was or how he met God in that moment, but he had a good reason to trust Yahweh, and he did. He knew what to do, but he didn't know where it would end. Abraham knew what, what step to take next, but he didn't know all about the future steps. He knew the general direction, but not all the details. And guys, this is the picture. You want to follow Jesus in your life? You want to be as the disciples did? And when Jesus said, follow me, they went. Well, how do we know Jesus isn't physically here? So how do we follow him? Well, this is so often how God leads. We need to know this first, that God calls us and gives us promises through his word. And then a person has the opportunity to trust and respond by obedience. But listen, if you are someone who says, ah, God, I can't go and do that until I know kind of how, how it's all gonna work out. Then you will live your life doing nothing for the Lord. You see, we see this all throughout the Bible. We saw this with Joseph, right? Joseph was someone who sensed God's call on his life in a broad sense. He didn't know all the details, but he had those dreams that seemed to be that they were from God. He had this sense that God was going to use him in some way. Now, Joseph got ahead of himself at times, but step by step. And sometimes it looked really bad in the pit 
or looked really bad in the prison, but God was leading him step by step. Or what about Moses? We know early on in Egypt, Moses sensed the call of God on his life. Remember when he got really excited and, and wanted to protect his Hebrew brethren and killed that Egyptian? You see, he got ahead of God. And so what did he have to do? He ran to the desert and he lived a nomad life for 40 years. But God's call would still come true. What about David? You remember when David, God calls him by anointing him as a, as a teenager? Samuel pours all that oil on his head. But it was years, years and years before he would ever fulfill what God was calling him to do. What about the disciples? Have you ever thought about them? Jesus said, follow me. Did they say, follow me? We're going to go here. And then for the next year, I'm going to go down to Judea. And people are going to be really mad about that. And then we're going to go here and there and there. And this is going to happen. And then I'm going to die. No, at times he let them know a little bit ahead of time. But even then, whenever Jesus let them know something ahead of time, it never stuck. It never clicked. They were like, no. Even Peter's like, no, you're not going to die. And, he, and, then, and then Jesus has to call him Satan. Okay, So even when Jesus would share the future, it wouldn't even click. You see, the disciples, though, they went. Jesus said, follow. They said, okay. And they followed him. This is ultimately true when it comes to salvation. You see, when, when we come to salvation, we don't have all the details of how life's going to work out. We know God promises us things. But even after that, even after that initial salvation, there will be times, listen, where God leads you into what feels like the unknown. There's times when God in your life is going to ask you to leave something behind. Sometimes he's going to ask you to leave something that looks good behind. Something we are familiar with. You see, for some of you, God may call you to a different country to be a missionary. God may call you to give up a great job financially for a job that gives you less money, but it's where he's calling you to be. God may call you to go to a different school one day than all the family members behind you have gone to. But God says, I want you to go here. God will lead in different directions that sometimes feel scary or unknown. But in that moment, you will want details. You'll ask God, but like, God, how is that all going to work out? What, what's, what's the next steps? And you will not get another direction until you obey the first step. Imagine for a moment, Abraham trying to explain this to his friends and family, okay? Let me play it out for you. Hey, Abe, uh, where are you headed? Don't know. Okay. Where are you going? Or why are you going? Oh, well, uh, Yahweh, God, the one and true living God, yeah, he told me that he wants to bless me and make me a really great nation. <laughs> okay. Uh, I thought you don't have kids, and you're like almost 100 years old. Yeah, that's true. You see, I would think that he would have got a lot of resistance to going. Now, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But we know from Scripture that Abraham was wealthy. We know that we see later on that he had many hired servants, hundreds of hired servants that worked for him, many, many animals. And it would have been the worst financial move to leave Ur. Why? Because at this time, this was in, a, in the area called Mesopotamia. This was the central location of the known world. 
Ur was a great and prosperous city. And he basically moves and leaves to go to a place called Canaan, the back country where he would have been able to make nothing of what he would have made in Ur. You see, at times when we step out in faith, listen, others won't understand. Others won't understand. They won't get it. Yet the question is, will we go? Will we obey God and trust his promises? That's a question that you will have to answer as you walk by faith. Secondly, he not only went, but verse 9 tells us that Abraham wandered. Abraham wandered. Verse 9, look back at Hebrews chapter 11. We find that by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob and the heirs with him of the same promise. We're told that he dwelt in a foreign country and he lived in tents, okay? For Abraham, this wasn't just a camping trip. He went and he ends up in this area of Canaan, what will be the future Israel, the promised land. But Abraham moved without looking back. He initially obeyed God by going, but he continued to obey God by staying, okay? You guys hear me? So initially God said, go, and so he went. And then God said, stay, and so he stayed. He dwelt as in a foreign country. That word dwelt, you can note it down. It's a word that describes what is known as a resident alien, okay? Not like alien, like UFOs but a resident foreigner. It's the idea of one who lives in a certain place, but doesn't have permanent status there. It's kind of exactly what we're talking about on Sundays in 1 Peter, in our series called Strangers, how you and I are to live as pilgrims and strangers. That's this idea that sure we live here, but we live here in a way that we know this isn't home. There's no permanent status. You see, Abraham, he wandered, but it wasn't aimless. He wandered, but it wasn't aimless. It wasn't that he was homeless. It's just that he wasn't home yet. You guys see the difference? It's not that Abraham was this homeless guy just riding the rails, just wandering from place to place. No, he was to wander in the sense that he wasn't to get too settled but he was to have an aim. He just wasn't home yet. This is kind of a middle ground for Abraham. He's no longer at home with what he's familiar with, but now he's not permanently in this promised land. Listen, he's not associating with that culture of home, that pagan worship, but he's also not settling into the culture of Canaan, which was also pagan. God was doing something unique with Abraham. Think about it. He was creating a nation. He was creating a new culture and Abraham was going to be the father of this new nation. And so he dwelt in tents. You guys see that in verse nine? Look in your Bibles. He dwelt in tents. He never made a home. Tents. Have you guys ever been camping? Camping's fun for a time, but you don't want to live in a tent or you get home. Now, some of you are shaking or nodding your heads. Yes. You want to get home and get back to the shower and get back to your bed with pillows and no longer sleeping on the hard ground. You see, Abraham lived in a way of wandering. 
And Abraham moved like God told him to, but then he endured through the tough times. His faith was one that persevered and endured. He kept going. Hebrews chapter 10, you can note it down right before this chapter in chapter 10. The author says this about enduring faith. And this is what God was doing in Abraham. God was creating a resilience in his faith. God was testing him. God was teaching Abraham not only to go by faith, but to stay by faith. Verse 35 says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming back will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. You see, Abraham never came to this point when he says, you know what, I'm just going back home. I went, I tried, but I'm living in tents. I don't even know where I'm going. I don't know what God's doing. I'm almost 100 years old. How, how is a nation ever going to come from me? How is God going to do this? You see, it seems that Abraham and his crew were traveling around as nomads. And the only thing they had to go on was the promise of God. This was a time of testing and teaching. God led him day by day. He couldn't see how God was going to do it, but he trusted him. And how true is this for you and I? We'll talk about this more in next week when we get into verses 13 through 16. But you and I, in a, sense are, in a sense, are sojourners and pilgrims. It doesn't mean we need to, you know, you need to go home and tell your mom, Mom, I need to be like Abraham, and so I'm sleeping in the tent tonight. Now, for some of you, that sounds like a good and fun idea. It's not what you need to do. It's true, though. This is not our home. And while it's okay to live in a home, we just need the perspective that this is not where it ends. This right now, listen, everyone look at me. This is our time of teaching and testing. God is teaching us. What is he teaching us? He says, depend on me, rely on me. He's perfecting our faith and bringing it to maturity. But listen, have you obeyed the step that's in front of you? It might not be that crazy right now. You see, the way that God works is that he gives a little at a time. And then he steps back and he, and he sees, what are they going to do with the little bit I gave them? And then when you are faithful with the little bit, then God says, all right, I'll give them a little more. This is what your parents do, is it not? They say, okay, let me trust them a little bit. Let me give them uh, the family phone. Let's see how they do with it. Are they always texting? Are they up late at night watching YouTube videos and their eyes are burning out of their heads? Okay, we can't trust them with it yet. Okay, no, they've been faithful. Like, all right, we're gonna get you a phone for yourself. How do you think you're gonna, you, your parents are gonna hand you the keys to a car one day if you can't even make your bed in the morning when they ask you to? They ain't gonna give you a car. It ain't gonna happen. Little, they are looking, can you be faithful in the small things? This is what God does. You might say, well, God hasn't asked me to move out of the country. Listen, God will never ask you to go somewhere if he knows that you can't even be faithful in the small things. You can't even just read your Bible a little bit. You, you can't spend any time praying and talking with me. You're not willing to get outside of your comfort zone and talk to someone who looks lonely. 
well, then I, I, can't, I can't trust you with the bigger things. You see, God is looking for our response. Will we go, but also will we endure? Thirdly and finally, tonight we're looking at the fact that Abraham not only went and he wandered, but verse 10, he waited. He obeyed by waiting. Verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. The reason that Abraham was able to go without knowing where, was able to stay and dwell in tents in an unknown land, was because of his faith. Because Abraham was looking toward heaven. He was looking what he knew to be his true homeland. And so by faith, Abraham looked forward and he thought forward. He waited. The Bible describes this word as wait, waited in the, in the original language. It means to look forward to and to expect, to have a hopeful expectation. Now, this doesn't mean that Abraham just kicked back and he says, well, I'm just going to wait till heaven. It doesn't mean you just kicked back by the Mediterranean Sea and ate some shawarma. No, the idea of waiting here is to continue and live with a perspective of the future. There are 25 years that pass between Abraham's original call in Genesis 12 to God actually giving him a son. Tw 25 years. So Genesis 12, God says, go. He says, I'm gonna make you a great nation. At that point, Abraham saw nothing of the fulfillment of that promise until 25 years later. He waited. He trusted. True faith, Warren Wiersbe says, is able to wait for the fulfillment of God's purposes in God's time. Listen, we got to know this. When it comes to the topic of faith and trusting God, timing is a big thing. Because we often think we know the timing or we know the best timing. And so we, we ask God, we say, God, what are you waiting on? Because we get excited. Like Joseph, we jump the gun. Like Moses, we get excited. Like even David at times. When God shows it, and, and it seems like he's leading in this area, say, God, why is it taking so long? You're gonna have those moments if you haven't already. As you walk by faith. You see, true faith is able to wait on the promises of God with the timing of God. So what did Abraham wait for? Well, look at verse 10. He waited for a city which has foundations and a city which God had built and made. The city, of course, is referring to our heavenly home. It's when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. It's what Revelation talks to us about regarding the new Jerusalem. And look there in verse 10, he says, who has its foundations. And this is an implication of permanency, okay? He chose to wait for a permanent home. Hebrews 12, verse 28 says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. This was his perspective. In the next chapter, in chapter 12, this is what the author of Hebrews will say, is that the kingdom that we wait for, 
the future that we wait for is something unshakable. You see, some people put their faith in something on this earth, and that's a really big mistake. Why? Because God tells us in his word that this place is going to burn with fire. That the elements of this world will dissolve, Peter says in his second letter. And so when we put our faith or trust or hope in something here, it's something that's shakable. But God says, when you look and you wait for a place that cannot be shaken, then it's different. And what does that do? It causes us to now serve God with a reverence and godly fear. And so by faith, Abraham obeyed God as he trusted his direction and his promise. How did he obey? Abraham went, not knowing the next step. Abraham wandered. He obeyed God long-term and learned dependence and reliance. Listen, faith isn't just, oh, well, I'll try it and and I'll give it a week. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to go back to what I did before. No, wait. Uh, Faith waits. Faith endures. And so he went, he wandered, and he waited. Nehemiah, hundreds of years later, prayed this. And he mentioned this in his prayer. Notice. He said, you are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of the Ur, remember Ur, of the Chaldeans, and gave him the name Abraham. And this is the part I want you to focus on as we end. He said, you found his heart faithful before you, and you made a covenant with him. Abraham was not perfect, but in God's perspective and God's estimation, he's not only mentioned in the hall of faith, but even Nehemiah mentions him as a man whose heart was faithful. It means loyal to God. And so our prayer today should be that God would find our hearts faithful before him. Yes? I want to end with a story. I want you guys to close your Bibles, close your notes, but don't move around too much. I want to share with you guys a story as we end. And this story is one of my favorites, I got to tell you. It's a story about a guy named William Borden. You guys ever heard of him? William Borden. In 1904, William Borden graduated high school at the age of 16 in Chicago. He was an heir to the Borden family fortune. His parents were loaded. Before Borden moved on to an Ivy League education at Yale University, his parents sent him on a trip around the world as a graduation present. Earlier in his life, Borden, William Borden, came to Christ through the preaching of D.L. Moody. As Borden traveled through Asia, the Middle East, and Europe, he felt a growing burden for the lost and hurting people of the world. And so while abroad, while on this trip away, he wrote a letter to his parents informing them that he wanted to be a missionary for the remainder of his life. One of his friends heard and said he would be throwing his life away as a missionary because he had so much ahead of him. Borden returned home. He graduated from Yale and then graduated from Princeton Theological Seminary as well. 
after his education at 25 years old, everyone would have thought that he would have taken on the family business. He was absolutely genius. But rather than doing that, he boarded a ship to serve as a missionary in China. On the way, he stopped in Egypt to work with Muslims. And while in Egypt, he contracted something called spinal meningitis. And within a month, William Borden was dead. When the story broke back home in the States of this wealthy family, God used this tragedy for his glory. His story inspired thousands of young people to live their lives to reach the nations of the world. Now, later on, when Borden's parents were given his Bible after he had passed away in Egypt, they found the following. There's three phrases that were similar, but in different contexts within his Bible. And there's three phrases, phrases. Just after he renounced his fortune to go to missions, he wrote the words in his Bible, he wrote the words, no reserve. This is the idea of no holding back. His father told him later on that he would always have a job in the company. And later at another point, they found another phrase in his Bible uh, when his father told him that he would never have a place in the family fortune again. At this time, Borden wrote in his Bible, no retreat. This would be the idea of no going back. And then they discovered one more phrase, which was, they found out was written shortly before his death in Egypt. And it was the phrase, no regret, no looking back. This is how you and I are to live our Christian life. No reserve. That we don't hold back for following Jesus. No retreat. There's no going back. And there is no regret, no looking back. And I believe with all my heart, if William Borden could stand here today, this is exactly the words that he was, but he never got to do his missions. He fulfilled the role that God had called him to do. So may you and I live with no reserve, no retreat, and no regret. Amen? Father God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the example of Abraham and Lord, even, Lord, he's not in the Bible, but we thank you for the example of a man named William Borden. God, we ask that you would do that, this work in our hearts. God, we want to obey you. We want to follow you. We don't want to look back. We don't want to go back. We want to be all in for Jesus. And so God, we do ask that you would help us to live with no reserve. We would give it all every day that at the end of the day, we would say we lived it all for Jesus. In a sense, we left it all on the field. God, that we would live with no retreat. We would never think about going back to the old life or picking a life away from Jesus. And God, we would say no regret. No looking back. That we would put our hands on the plow, as it were, and not look back. We would seek first the kingdom of God and know that all the things of life will be added. And so, God, we thank you that you 
like Abraham, you found us. You gave us the opportunity to come. And we've come. But God, would you help us to continue? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.